I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. I want to start off this podcast with a little live music discussion, if you can indulge me for a little bit. I just had a very lovely weekend filled with live music. On Friday, I went to the Chase Wright concert, and you might be thinking, oh, I know that country musician. Well, it's very likely you're probably thinking and confusing him with Chase Rice. And honestly, if I was Chase Wright, I might give myself a different name just to avoid confusion. But but I was so excited because I go through yearly like a little pop country phase. And I think this was brought on by the fact that I'm having to miss a Sam Hunt concert for my brother's birthday or his graduation, which I'm gladly doing. But am I a little sad about it? Yes. And I was listening to Pop Country and I saw this guy, Chase Wright, and he kind of sounded like Sam Hunt. I looked at his Instagram and lo and behold, the very next week he was playing a show at my near me in Delray at a bar. And it was just so fun because it was just this small venue. There really weren't that many people there. We were basically in the very front and I was jamming. I was living my best life. I got a picture with him afterwards. I told him I thought he was going to be a star because I really feel like I'm good at picking out who's going to like really rise in the the star field. I will pat myself on the back for that and I do think he's going to be a star, but he could work on his art and stage charisma. I will say that. So that was Friday night. And then on Saturday night, I went to the John Mayer concert and that was so delightful. It was a little more sob rock and not enough room for squares for my taste, but he is a consummate performer. Like he is so good at what he does. And I always forget what a talented guitar player he is. The riffs he does, the amount of times he switches guitars, it was crazy. And we were on the side um, it was delightful because we just got these tickets a little while ago. We didn't pay markup. We got them straight from Ticketmaster. And yeah, it was a side view and there was some stuff blocking. But when they would walk on stage, his band and him, they would walk like right past us. And his opener, her name's Yeba. And I told her I loved her Uggs and she said, thank you. And then his guitarist and it, he also does uh, vocal work. I told him that he was killing it. He also said thank you. And then I tried to ask John Mayer when he was walking by if we could get another Mayorcraft cruise. And sadly, I definitely don't think he heard me or he did. And he ignored me, which is also understandable. But um, I guess we won't know the answer to that question. And he played Wonderland and Neon off Room for Squares. And I'm not a huge fan of Neon. I would have much preferred a wide Georgia but hearing Wonderland live, it was it was fantastic. I highly recommend a John Mayer concert because it's just good vibes. No one had their phone out. That was the craziest difference for me as someone who's used to going to more of a Justin Bieber, Harry Styles type arena concert, Taylor Swift. The lack of phones at this in comparison to that was stark. It really blew my mind. And then it was so funny because near the end of the concert, it was during his encore, this woman who was part of the crew just came over and through the railing handed me a set list and I didn't even ask for it and I was so shook by just the kindness and I was like am I just giving off a fangirl vibe am I giving off a good vibe has she just seen me swaying and standing up this whole concert and feels pity for me I don't know but it just felt like such a good omen and I just love live music I can't say it enough I'm so happy to have that back not having it during the pandemic was really sad and hard and just made me realize like 
I think sometimes I take it for granted what a great experience it is. So on that note, uh, new Harry Styles music came out this past week. The song is delightful. It's so catchy. My sister pointed out it kind of has these Vampire Weekend vibes, which if you know Vampire Weekend, you can't go wrong with them. They got that little synth beats in the background. It's just good. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's called As It Was. The music video is fun. So he also released the cover art for his album that's coming out and it's called Harry's House. And fun fact, it was actually inspired by Joni Mitchell's song by the same name, Harry's House. And she tweeted that she loved it. She was honored that he uh, named it after that. So on the cover for the album art, it has him in this setting that's very uh, minimalistic style. It's like a couch, a lamp, but it's very very cool looking. And so people have been trying to track down where the stuff on the album cover came from. So an article from Curbed that I read said that they tracked it down to a prop hiring company and they talked to the company and they had no interest in talking to the reporter once they realized they weren't actually trying to rent the couch. But apparently this couch they had obtained and reupholstered it. And Architectural Digest also did an article on trying to track down the pieces in the cover. And they were also struggling. They were like, we, you know, it seems like this couch is reupholstered, but they couldn't even uh, pin down exactly which version of a couch it is. So I just thought that was a fun little fact that the links people will go to. And again, as just my style of journalism, I so appreciate when people give me the hard hitting shit I want. <laughs> I've been watching Lizzo's reality show, Watch Out for the Big Girls. It's on Amazon Prime and it's search for big girls. That's what she calls her backup dancers. And it's just like really empowering. I've been loving it so far. I'm not all the way through, but I love the concept that She cuts three people at the very beginning, but then after that, she's like, there's enough room for all of you to be a big girl. There's 10 girls left, but she's like, you know, we're just like on this journey together. And it really reminds me of sort of an updated, less problematic uh, America's Next Top Model. And I just, I don't know, I've been really loving it so far. And they're all such talented dancers. And there's a little drama like you. They definitely kind of paint people as being like, oh, you're a little bit of the drama like they did in America's Next Top Model. And this show coincided with her release of her shapewear line. It's called Yitty. It's very Skims adjacent as far as I can tell, but it's actually created with Fabletics. And if you don't know, Fabletics is Kate Hudson's brand. And I think that's an interesting pairing. I don't own anything from Fabletics. If you do, what's the quality like? I'm always on the search for like the perfect exercise wear and I own quite a lot of it. But I would love to hear your take on Fabletics because I would think there would be some similarities between Fabletics and Yiddy. And I think there's some misunderstanding or pushback with like, oh, Lizzo's so about body positivity. Why is she coming out with a shapewear line? But I really respect it because I think her point is like, I, I love my body. Like I'll show it naked, whatever. But she's like, I would go to the shapewear place and I just didn't find anything that was for me. And I wanted to create something that's for everyone and that you can feel proud it showing underneath your clothes and you can wear it as clothes, which I think is, you know, again, very in line with kind of skims mentality. So I'm interested to see how it will go. I definitely want to buy a piece. I'm excited. I just think Lizzo can do no wrong. I know it's problematic to say that about any celebrity because inevitably they do wrong. And then you're like, oh, shit. But I just find her to be such a badass. And watching her on this show, I'm like, wow, Lizzo's like a damn good host. She balances like the emotion of it really well with 
just the actual uh, hosting side of it. I feel like I love Tyra as a host, but again, we know Tyra (laughs) did some problematic shit looking back on it now years later. And I think Lizzo's just doing a fantastic job of, and I'm not done talking about live music because I won MGK tickets this week. And again, you know how I was talking about manifesting a Guy Fieri sighting? I feel like in a way I manifested these MGK tickets because obviously Megan Fox and MGK are just a good old standby on kind of cute podcast. And it feels right. Um, I'm very excited to go. I have no idea where the tickets are. And I just, I enter so many concert contests that half the time I don't even remember that I've entered it. And it's funny because out of all the contests I enter, and I enter a lot, primarily the ones I win are concert tickets. And I'm very happy about that. Like I just went on talking about how much I live me- love live music. So I am so thankful, but I'm still waiting for the day when like I get a scratch off that really hits big or I win the lotto. That is still on my manifestation board, guys. I'm not giving up. <laughs> one of these days, do I play weekly? No, but you know, it only takes once. It just takes one winning ticket. And I've been putting off talking about this because it makes me so sad. Like, I didn't put this earlier in the episode because literally I, I, like, choke up thinking about it. And I know there's a lot of discourse with how it's kind of strange for people to be so invested in celebrity deaths and make it about themselves. And I am going to make this about myself a little bit, like, full disclosure. But Tom Parker from The Wanted passed away this past week. He had really intrusive brain cancer And I really thought he was doing better um, because he had been getting a lot of treatment for it. And I thought he was on the up and up. But then I think things just kind of devolved quickly and he passed away. And he was only 33 years old, which is how old I am. Actually, also how old Lizzo is, interestingly enough. And he had two young children, a wife that he left behind. And oh, my God, it's just it's so sad because I was literally talking last weekend or last week's episode about how when I last saw John Mayer, it was because we went to that wanted show and I have so many memories with Elena and Anna and my sister going to the wanted concerts. And literally each one is such a bright memory that it's so strange that he's gone now. And I think it's also like we've met him before and it's just surreal, honestly. And it really, again, just makes me realize like, Go see live music. Go support live music. If for nothing else, then you just create the best memories with your friends. And it's something you'll always remember. And I know anyone who likes going to concerts is like very fully aware of that. But I don't know. It's just it's a good reminder that that music and entertainment in general makes our lives better in such a tangible way. And I'm so thankful for Tom and the Wanted and all the memories that I have from that. And I my heart goes out to his family and his friends and his bandmates. And I'm sorry to be a downer, but I just like could not have this podcast and not talk about it because again, so many bright memories came from them. Okay. We're finally pivoting off of live music and let's talk about Ashley Tisdale and her architectural digest home tour. This is not her first home tour, but it is her first home tour in this particular house. And right off the bat, I loved it so much. It's so bright and welcoming. My ideal sort of vibe, it kind of reminded me of Nina Dobrev's house, the same feeling to it. 
And I want to talk about some things that I just loved if you haven't watched it yet. First off, she has a framed picture of her dead dog, Maui. And I look at Gurgi every day and think about how I'm not going to be able to function when he dies. And I know that's very dark and I can't stop those intrusive thoughts. But 100%, I will have a framed picture of him in my house till the day I die. And I'm sure I will have framed pictures of every dog I have here on out. And maybe it's a little morbid, but it's going to be a gallery wall of my dead dogs. Um, I swear this is, I think this is the last time I'm talking about death today, guys. Don't worry. Another thing that I really loved is she talked about how there was this particular lamp she was really dead set on getting, but unfortunately when it was releasing, she had a colonoscopy happening. And so she made sure that her husband was going to get, order the lamp for her. And she was so adamant about it. She's like, I know I'm going to be under, you have to get this lamp. As a side note, do I need to be getting a colonoscopy? Is that something I need to start doing at this age? I have no idea, but I'm mortified of it because I've heard horror stories about that stuff you have to drink beforehand, and I know they're really important to get. I'm just scared. So can can you guys tell me, is that something I need to do? Um, I love that she has a ton of candles stuffed in a console type piece of furniture because I do the same thing. I was not on her level of the sheer number that she has, and it looked like she had a lot of really nice ones, but I do hoard candles and I put them all in my console and they're always like half burned because I'll trade them out. Like I'll light one for a little bit and decide I want to mix it up and trade it out. So relatable yet again. And (laughs) the other thing I related to is she says her dad helps her a lot and designed her kitchen with her. And my parents obviously helped so much with my home renovation that I related to that. And she's talked about how after designing her kitchens, she's designed a few at this point, her friends have been reaching out to her to design theirs. And one of the friends she talks about is Vanessa, which I assume has to be Vanessa Hudgens. And we talked about her house tour. And I remember she had a cool kitchen. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's the one Ashley helped with. So I love that little insight into their friendship. And speaking of her husband having to buy stuff for her, she also sent out her husband to buy a shit ton of books for their bookcase because they have this huge bookcase in one of their rooms and it apparently it wasn't filled with anything. So she's like, AD's coming. You need to go buy 400 books so we can fill this bookcase up. And he did it and it looked great. I mean, they had a ton of books up in that bitch and it fit and it worked and If you haven't seen it yet, it's just another one I really highly recommend. If you're not subscribed to the Architectural Digest YouTube channel, you need to. And I wish they would hire me to be um, a hype girl for them because I can't shut up about the freaking AD house tours. So let's talk about something that one of our favorite cut articles, Mia Mercado, can't shut up about. This article is titled, I Can't Shut Up About the Oscars Swag Bags. It's our first article of the day. Let's go. I'm going to start before we get into Mia's article. Reading this uh, quote from Daniel Radcliffe about the Will Smith slap. And he says, I'm just so already dramatically bored of hearing people's opinions about it that I just don't want to be another opinion added to it. So I will mirror that thought. And there's so many people saying things much more eloquently than I can. I'm sure at this point you're just sick of hearing about it. But I will say two things that struck me is that Questlove, who won the award that uh, Chris Rock was actually presenting at the time, he said he was meditating during the slap. So it kind of like went over his head a little bit. And then Rita Ora, a famous singer in my heart, also dating the director Taika Waititi, she said she missed the slap because she was in the bathroom and, quote, she was very annoyed about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's the last thing I'll say about that. Uh, oh, and one more Oscars thought. One of the articles in the cut was that Zendaya did her own makeup for not only the Oscars, but also the after party. And both of her looks were beautiful, but her after party look was very an intense smoky eye. And I'm just so impressed that she did it herself. I mean, I shouldn't be because she's good at literally everything she does, but it looked like professional makeup. And I think professional makeup artists are so talented and I'm like, I just, I can try to replicate what they do and I just can't. So the fact that she just went out there and killed it and she also used all Lancome products. So I wonder if this was actually sort of like a brand deal with Lancome. Like you're going to do your own makeup. That's going to get press and you're going to do it with Lancome products and that'll get us more press. I think that's actually probably exactly what happened, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I am hella impressed nonetheless. Okay, that's the article. Back to swag bags. I personally have a long-standing fascination with swag bags. When I used to gulp down e-Oscar coverage like it was water circa my high school years, I would make sure I never missed the coverage about the swag bags. And you know, this was a big deal because I didn't have a DVR. So I would just like watch hours of coverage waiting for them to talk about (laughs) the swag bags because I found it so fascinating. And actually at the time, I remember thinking it was kind of a clue into maybe some brands that would be up and coming or like really getting their name out there. And I think the opulence of it and the unnecessariness of it all is very similar to what we see with these really elaborate PR packages that influencers get these days. And I almost feel like in this age of the influencer, we've kind of gone away from swag bags and gifting suites. And I I kind of miss those days. Like it was just so, um, now it's like, it seems more attainable, you know, but back then you're like, oh my God, like these celebrities getting to go to a gifting suite. Can you even imagine? And they still actually have gifting suites for influencers, but you know what I mean? It was just, it was a different time, but my fascination, it just hasn't waned. So this year's bag was named the Everyone Wins Bag, and it was worth an estimated 137K. Here's a little glimpse of what it included. A three-night stay at a castle with a complimentary butler, a small plot of land in Scotland, along with the title of Lord or Lady. So I my first thought when I read this was, this the company that Scott Disick used to become a lord? I feel, I feel like it was. A voucher for arm liposuction and $25,000 worth of home renovations. Oh, I would kill for that alone. And it says there's also $10,000 worth of rejuvenation procedures from a plastic surgeon, unspecified, I guess. A $1,000 life coaching session with a wellness expert. A $15,000 four-night stay for two at a luxury spa. Oh, fuck. That's also the dream. A $95 chai tea box. Delicious. I just had a chai tea at lunch. And over $1,000 worth of skincare products. Now, Mia goes on to say what she likes the most is these less extravagant gifts. So she says there's a game called Throw Throw Avocado and some fancy nuts. There's some high-end beauty products, but there's also a small inflatable orca from PETA that says SeaWorld Blows. And she says, do you know what goes great with your trip to a resort and spa that costs $1,500 per night? This hairbrush you can get at Ulta for $10. There's also two books in this year's bag, perfect for helping fill your empty shelves when Architectural Digest comes over, which I love that she wrote that because that's full on a throwback to what we were just talking about with Ashley Tisdale. 
Uh, the combination of luxury gifts and extremely regular products feels like a secret Santa with no dollar specifications. You could get gold-infused olive oil, or maybe you'll get a Minions card game. Just kidding. You get both. <laughs> I love Mia's writing. I swear. One of these days, we're going to get her on the pod. So apparently, this bag was given to 28 guests, 25 nominees. I'm sorry. The 28 guests includes the 25 nominees and the three hosts. So it writes, Will Smith got a bag, Chris Rock did not. And I always found this fascinating that the celebrities who accept the bag have to pay taxes on the physical goods. So this year there was about $5,000 in tangible products and they don't have to pay taxes on any of the travel vouchers or cosmetic surgery, etc. unless they actually redeem them. And obsessed with the fact that in 2013, Jessica Chastain was reportedly the only recipient who cashed it on her 10,000 gift dollar gift card for interior design consultation. <laughs> Again, relatable. And I love that for her. And I wonder if after the consultation, if anything came of that. And was that literally just for the design consultation? Like they don't even tell you like exactly what you should buy or where you can put the stuff or buy you anything. It's literally just to, like talk with them for an hour because I want to know what interior designer that was. And I love that she called out Jessica because Jessica won the Oscar this year. And then apparently in 2014, there was only one person. No, I'm sorry. As of 2014, only one person ever refused a bag. And that was Sandra Oh. But I wonder why there's not updated reporting on that. Like who refused a bag between 2014 and 2022? I mean, that's like eight years. But I'll still give it to me. A fabulous reporting. Loved reading about that. Never gets old. <laughs> All right. Our next article is what Avril Lavigne can't live without by Avril Lavigne as told to Ariel Avila. First on her list, she has a very specific pair of Doc Martens, the 1460 Pascal Max leather platform boots, and she says she's been wearing them for the last 25 years, like some iteration of Doc's, and that her collection takes up an entire wall of her closet. This just feels very on brand for Avril. She says... I've even worn them on a red carpet with a dress because I don't like wearing high heels. I basically live in them. And again, these are like her ones of the moment. I find Doc Martens very uncomfortable, but I haven't worn them since I was a child. When I lived in England for a year and I had to wear a uniform, I would only wear my uniform with Docs. And like looking back, I was like, girl, you look kind of badass. You could have like edged it up a little bit. I looked a little bit British schoolgirl. But you know, we love that six-year-old me was down for a fashion moment but now I just find them like looking at them it looks like I would have 10 pound weights on my feet and while I'm not above an ankle weight I kind of want one of those cute baller ones if I'm not trying to wear an ankle weight I'm not trying to wear one do you know what I mean like I don't I don't need that when I'm just walking around downtown um <laughs> But she she makes a valid case for them. My sister Sheridan loves her docs. So maybe I need to get back on the train. I know they're really having a moment now. But again, they're one of those things that are classic. They never really go out of style. And if you are wondering how Avril gets her classic smoky eye, apparently it's from Max Eye Coal Pencil in the color Smolder. I might have to go out and buy that because... I've never really perfected the smudgy look and I think it works better when you have light eyes like Avril does. My eyes are already so dark and they're kind of set back in my head that it ends up looking a little bit um, one like a step between raccoon and punched in the eye. So 
maybe it's not for me, but again, I will I will spend an endless amount of money at Ulta. I might need to find out what the ten dollar brush was in the in the Oscar swag bag and get that too. I always have a list of things I want and there's the Sephora sale that's going on right now. Sadly, I'm not Sephora Rouge. I'm the step down. So I only get 15% off and my sale doesn't start till Monday or Tuesday. But if yours has started, just FYI, go get your go get your percentage off at Sephora. That being said, Ulta has the way better reward program. So the other day I was at Ulta and my total was $57. I had $56 worth of points. So I only paid a dollar. And I know that's really just sad because that means I've spent that much money at Ulta that I had the ability to get $56 in points. But I swear it it stacks up pretty quickly. Okay, I'm sorry. You know me. I can go on a beauty product rant at the drop of a hat. I apologize. Back to uh, Avril and we're getting into my favorite part of the things she can't live without. The first one is the Labatt Blue six pack. That is a type of Canadian beer. She says, I'm Canadian and a beer girl. I love doing keg stands. And Canadian beer just tastes totally different from American beers. I don't know why. I just like it more. I'm opening my fridge right now to look at my Labatt Blues. I'm going to drink one right now, actually. Is it too early? This is another thing that has me questioning. Like, do Does Avril have a deal with Labatt Blue? Or is she just that much of a fangirl for it? Another fun fact, because apparently my mind just cannot stay focused... Did you know that is how uh, Pamela Anderson got discovered because she was at a game and the Jumbotron zoomed in on her and she was wearing um, a Labatt shirt or drinking a Labatt beer and I think both actually and she got scouted by this guy who worked for Labatt Blue and she started modeling for them and that was like her first little break because she's a Canadian girl as well. Uh, anyways, I just would kill to see Avril Lavigne doing a keg stand. Can you imagine you're at a party and you look over and there's like Avril being held up by Maud's son who she's currently dating? It would only be made better if Brody Jenner was in the background, who's an ex of hers, just looking on. Oh, wow. In my dreams. I hope I have a dream about that tonight. <laughs> Next up, she has Tostitas Salsa Con Queso. She says, there's something about this dip that makes it impossible to stop eating what's since open. It's cheesy and spicy, but none of the flavors overpower one another. I eat so healthy most of the time, and this is the junk food I have to have in my house. Tostitos thin chips and this queso dip. I'll give it to her. Like This stuff looks like it would be gelatinous crap, but when you microwave it up for a little bit and you put a little salty Tostitos in it, it hits. It hits in a way that a fancy cheese dip just cannot. Okay, we're getting to the last item on her list, and I always point out that the reason celebrities do this list is because they have something that they want to promote, but usually the item they're promoting is something a little subtle. You know, it's it's a fragrance. It's a skincare collab. It's a skincare company that they have a contract with, but Avril just straight up talks about her merch and CD set. So the last item on her list is Avril Lavigne Love Sucks Hoodie and CD Box Set for $70. She says, what's cool about this box is that it comes with a physical CD in it. Because I'm an artist who came on the scene 20 years ago, 35% of my sales are still physical. I just learned this about myself. It makes sense because let go was physical only. My friends and I have been talking about how we love physical CDs. There's something about reading the thank yous, the lyrics, and sitting with the actual booklet. I take a lot of pride in putting together the perfect little booklet pickling the font, choosing what pictures complement it, and writing my thank yous. 
This feels very Taylor Swift to me. Taylor also loves her little booklets and her hard CDs. And I guess this really is maybe the most millennial thing about me. I love a physical CD as well. I own all of Taylor's. I own all of the One Direction ones. I think I own all of Justin Bieber's. Um, Yeah. So I back this. I fully back this. But I just love that she's hawking this. And the fact that it comes with a hoodie and she says, the fonts I picked feel very gothic and match the tone throughout the album. There's also a hoodie that it comes with. I actually wear my own merch, believe it or not. I'm just stoked to have clothes with my name and song lyrics on them. So that's the only thing that can make the keg stand fantasy even better. If Avril's just standing there in her merch, or I'm sorry, you know, keg standing there in her merch. (laughs) I don't know why this cracked me up so much, but it really did. Okay, we've made it to our last article of the day, and this is How the Mother-Daughter Duo from the Sex Lives of College Girls Helped Each Other Offscreen by Brooke LaMancha. This story just warmed my heart. I'm just telling a little piece of their conversation because it's actually a discussion between Sherry Shepard and Aaliyah Chanel Scott. They play Senator Chase and her daughter Whitney in the show Sex Lives of College Girls. You guys know I cannot talk about that show enough. It's one of Mindy Kaling's shows. I just think the female relationships in it, the writing on it, the smartness of the whole thing. I can't get enough. I'm literally counting down till season two. I don't even think it has a release date, but in my head, I'm just like, I'm ready. I'm ready. So apparently Sherry and Aaliyah just had this really kind of nurturing bond on set. And Sherry says, this was your first television role to Aaliyah. And she says, I'd never been on a set before. I didn't know anything. It felt like everyone talked in code. It was like, yeah, I'm going to do the 10-4. <laughs> All the words meant nothing to me. I was like, just tell me where to go and I'll be there. But I'm so lost. It was a crash course in TV, acting, comedy, and all the things. It is so impressive that this was her first role. I would have never known just by watching it because she seems very comfortable acting. And I think she killed it. So I can't even imagine just showing up to set and being like, I literally have no idea. I like know everyone has their first time on set, but I feel that most of the actors and actresses on that show did have at least some experience. But Mindy is good about picking a lot of newcomers and really seeing the potential they have. And I guess I should also give props to the casting director, but I would think Mindy's also involved in picking who ultimately is on her shows. I thought this next part was really sweet, too, because Sherry says, one of the things that I admire about you is your fearlessness, whether it's real or you talk yourself into it. It comes across on stage and it comes across on the camera. I loved watching you. Sometimes I would lose my place and I'd be like, Aaliyah was talking. I was so into the scene, I almost forgot it was my line. Is there any advice you wish someone had given you in starting out? Is there something that you wish somebody would have told you? And Aaliyah says, it's funny that you say I was so fearless because I just remember being so stricken with fear the entire time. I know what I want, but asking for it's always so scary. So I think something that I wish I had known earlier is just asking for what you want and doing it respectfully and kindly. Uh, Again, I don't know if that struck y'all the same way, but I just I love that they had this relationship on set where Aaliyah felt comfortable asking Sherry for help. And I really just had to tell that story to shout out the fact that that was her first role on set and if she killed it like if you watch the show you know exactly what i'm talking about all right guys i want to start a new little segment because people are just going wild for blind items we have fluently ford who was on this podcast love her we have beyond the blinds nt 
people are just living. Oh, and Dumas, obviously, people living for a blind item. And as a refresher, a blind item is a story about a celeb, but it sticks in names for them. Like if this foreign born A-list actor is pregnant with her first child. So it's not really legitimate journalism, but a lot of blind items tend to come true or be revealed by the press later on. So I just wanted to pull some on Ashley Tisdale since we talked about her today and because I'm convinced I'd be friends with her. And I thought these two were interesting. So the first one is from November 2011. And it says this former A-list tween star, so that is Ashley, and now actress who has to rely on her old role for any kind of fame is known in Hollywood as the freakiest freak in bed. You would never know it by looking at her, but guys line up to try and date her. So there's definitely like some misogynist undertones to that, but I was just like, oh, okay, Ashley, freaky in bed, purr. (laughs) She is now married and has a child and, you know, but hey, she could still be freaky in bed. You never know. Before we move on to the next one, I will say there's a couple about her not being nice to fans, which makes me sad because I I just, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> That's the thing about blinds is that, you know, you can choose to believe them or not believe them, even if they're quote unquote revealed. Like these ones are revealed blinds where it's putting a name to who is attached to it. But again, it it doesn't mean it's necessarily true. So again, take this next one with a grain of salt. Okay, since this one's a little convoluted, I'm going to plug in the alleged names of who Inti's talking about in this blind that comes from January 14th, 2013. It says, Ashley is starting to make a name for herself outside her tweener comfort zone in some very good small roles. And apparently she had enough of this girl, Selena Gomez, whining all night about her ex-boyfriend. Ecstasy was produced and the whiner, a.k.a. Selena, was ordered to take three of them by her companions. She did and said it was the first time she had ever taken any pills. Selena was so easygoing after her pill popping that she decided she didn't need to wear panties and left them on a table, and she finally got along with Vanessa Hudgens, who she had been fighting with for years. Again, I don't know the truth in that, but celebrities taking pills at parties... I find that believable. I kind of doubt that was Selena's first pill. Um, okay, I know that's controversial, but I, I think if at this period Justin Bieber was her ex-boyfriend, I find it hard to believe she had not had pills with him. And then I do kind of buy that she might have had beef with Vanessa. So maybe I do believe the whole thing. <laughs> okay, Kenzie just interrupted me to say, well, didn't they break up earlier or later than that? So Selena had their final breakup in 2018, but they did break up in November 2012, which would track with this blind because it took place in January 2013. So understandably, she would still be upset about it two months later, but they are very on and off, you know? All right. Let me know if you guys enjoyed that. I'll just throw in some little blinds at the end of each episode if that's something you guys want to hear. And we've made it to legit shit. My legit shit for this week is for hair growth because I'm always obsessed with like growing my hair faster, longer, thicker, the whole shebang. So I've been using rosemary oil on it morning and night and it has a very strong scent. Wait, did I already do this as a legit shit? Okay, I'm sorry. I just had like an out-of-body experience where I got deja vu, but I think it's just because I've been ranting to people about rosemary oil. But (laughs) I just put a little bit of it on my hands and on my scalp and rub it in. And I swear I've been seeing little baby hairs that I haven't seen before. And that using conjunction with my scalp massager, which has also been a past legit shit, I'm telling you, you will get some little hair growth. I mean, you have to be patient. You have to use it every day. And like I said, it has a very strong herbal smell. And it's probably best to dilute it with some sort of carrier oil like 
a coconut oil. You can also add castor oil to it because that's also good for hair growth. So let me know if that works for you. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye.